project. Uh, so if you have your M&M containers, you can drop those in the offering plate, or if you just have another donation, you can mark that and uh, put that in the offering plate when it comes around later. Um, just wanted to highlight, too, that we'll be starting some inquirers classes uh, next Sunday during the Sunday school hour. And what that's for is for anyone who might be new to faith, uh, faith in Jesus, and want, you want to know more about what that means, uh, or you want to know more about what that means here at Spring Creek, there's going to be a group of folks meeting during the Sunday school hour to talk about that. Uh, if you're interested in those classes, you can talk to me, and uh, we'll make sure that you get that information and know when we're meeting. Uh, we want to offer some congratulations to Janet and Jean Eagle, who will be married 60 years on February 27th, and I think they had a celebration over the weekend uh, to celebrate those 60 years. And also, um, Rachel Oaks, who's usually or often here on Sunday mornings, um, she got married yesterday, and so she is with her uh, new groom, Evan Shulo. Um, and so we're uh, excited for them and the new start of their life together. Um, this week we are praying for the Quakertown Church of the Brethren. Uh, those are brothers and sisters we can be lifting up. And the Lebanon uh, Church of the Brethren is praying for us this week. And so we can be uh, lifting up brothers and sisters there and know that we are being lifted up as well. As we come to worship this morning... Uh, talking about the transfiguration of seeing and catching a glimpse of Jesus' true nature and who He is. Um, we are here to celebrate that this morning, to worship God, to bring all of who we are uh, before Him and uh, just open up our hearts and our lives to receive God's message for us this morning. I invite you to rise and body your spirit as we come uh, to sing this morning and come to worship this morning. Open 
I'll be reading from Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. said, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Indeed, holy is the Lord our God. We stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Together we sing. 
Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to our time of offering, we want to give you the opportunity to give not only as you have with your voices and singing and, and prayers, but to give with your money and finances as well. Not only to support the ongoing ministries um, here at Spring Creek, but also to give the opportunity to support the Blanket Fund. Um, some of you who are in the children's program may have received the M&M containers maybe a few weeks ago. And the idea was that after you ate the M&M's was to fill that with quarters. Anybody here eat the M&M's? Yeah. Anybody here fill the container with? <laughs> okay. We don't want to limit you to just quarters. If you want to throw in a 20 or a 50 or some other higher denomination, it's all good. It's all good. It's a noble effort to help people with a simple gift of a blanket that can be used not only for warmth, but maybe a soft spot to sit on, or maybe in times of extreme devastation and loss, maybe even use as a curtain or a dividing wall for rooms in a house. But I want to give you the opportunity to reach out in a significant, substantial, practical way to help others, to know that there are people who care, to know that they have hope. Jesus, the living hope, is the one who we sing about this morning. Oh 
pray with me? Dear Father God, it's just with humble hearts that we come before you today. Gracious hearts, thank you for the gift that you gave us in Jesus, that when we turned to him at our lowest depths, he was there to release us from hurt, from pain, and from the penalty of sin. Father God, we thank you that your son Jesus is Emmanuel who walks with us through every season of our life. And you know where we are today, God, and what we're going through. So, God, we just want to take a moment right now to thank you for your faithfulness in the past and to ask for your wisdom and for your courage to take the steps where your path will lead us today and tomorrow. Hear our prayers, oh God. Sound good. Sounds good to hear your voices lifting up. Isn't this a beautiful day? <clears throat> okay. Woo! Woo! <laughs> they better start praying for resurrection now. Oh my. All right. All right. Okay. Y'all gotta get some life in you this morning. All right. I hope there's more. More happening, more to be cheerful, more to, more to celebrate. Uh, that's a little bit of what we're talking about this morning. Um, Diana read for us this morning this, this story of transfiguration, of seeing Jesus on the mountain and catching a glimpse of what Jesus is about, catching a glimpse of his, his glory. And so I hope 
uh, that uh, we can at least celebrate that this morning. You know, as we're moving through the church calendar, next week we are starting the season of Lent, this season of trial and temptation and walking through the, the valley of the shadow of death, walking through um, this time of reflection and looking at our lives and looking at where we're at with Jesus, we have kind of this odd intro, this odd uh, movement or transition into this time, this transfiguration. It's an odd story that seems to kind of confuse Peter, James, and John. Uh, They're not sure what to make of this story, and, and Peter wants to build these huts build these these uh, little tabernacles the to um, kind of freeze time to memorialize what's happened what they've experienced um, it's odd too that God chooses this moment uh, with a limited audience to send Moses and Elijah to to speak aloud it's an odd story for the church to transition into this uh, season of Lent. So as we take a look at this this morning, uh, let's pray and uh, just ask God to open our eyes to what's happening in this story. Jesus, we thank you for this day of life, for this opportunity to gather together to open up your word. I pray that our hearts would be open to receive the message that you have for us. Uh, May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Would you speak to us this morning through me or despite me? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew tells this story at kind of a curious place in the timeline with Jesus. At the beginning of Matthew chapter 16, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees come to test Jesus to ask their questions, as they often do at different places in Scripture. They're trying to trip Jesus up. And after this interaction at the beginning of chapter 16, uh, Jesus travels to uh, a city, to a place called Caesarea Philippi, which is in uh, the, the northern part of ancient Palestine. And it's there that Jesus gathers with his disciples. And, you know, lots of people have had their different ideas about who Jesus is, whether Jesus is a, a rabbi, a, a teacher, a, um, <clears throat> a prophet. Um, maybe he's a Messiah, but, but, you know, they have different ideas about what the Messiah is supposed to be. And Jesus stops and he asks his disciples, who do you say I am? Who do you think I am? What do you think about me? And it's here that Peter responds, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. And Jesus compliments him and says, this is great. You've you've had your eyes opened. uh, This has been revealed to you by, by God. This is wonderful. Peter's praised for this insight that he has. Then some curious verses happen after that. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, uh, Matthew writes, From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus starts to prepare his disciples for what's ahead. Uh, challenging them with the reality that they're going to face of his own death. And Peter, as Peter often does, kind of rushes into things. I think um, kind of he takes this compliment and thinks that he can scold Jesus or, or take the teacher aside and tell him what's up. And when he sa- Peter says to Jesus, this, this can't be, this, this, this will never happen. Jesus, you you can't go and you can't die. This isn't in my plan for the Messiah. Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And you you feel bad for Peter because one verse, he's being complimented on his insight and his connection, this this revelation that he's received from God. And on the next uh, verse, or a couple verses later, 
Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. Jesus has heard the temptation of Satan before. He's, he's heard these whispers before, and he knows that, man, I don't think this is really Peter speaking here. He's hearing in that moment the temptation from Satan to turn away from uh, this path, to turn away to a different road, to not go through what he knows is going to happen. So Jesus talks to his disciples about what discipleship really looks like. Chapter 16, verse 24 through 26, Jesus says, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Now, it's easy for us to kind of, you know, this is, this is a metaphor for life and to kind of rationalize that or spiritualize that cross. But for Jesus' disciples, you know, they've experienced, they've been around long enough to see folks crucified before. They know what a Roman cross means. The death, the shame, the torture that comes with that. They're, I'm sure they're not spiritualizing anything when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Then Jesus seems to lift their spirits. He says, for the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And now six days later, they're going to catch a glimpse of God's glory. They're going to catch a glimpse of the kingdom in its fullness at this transfiguration, this, this changing, this revealing of who Jesus really is. And so as they get this glimpse, Peter, James, and John go up the mountain with Jesus. Peter, James, and John are some of Jesus' closest friends. They've been with him for his entire public ministry. Those that he considers, I think, his, his closest. They go up the mountain with him. And there, Jesus' true divine nature comes out. They catch a glimpse of glory. It's, it's smoke, it's lights, it's, it's wonder, it's awe. It's, it must have been amazing to experience. It recalls uh, the Old Testament, God's Shekinah glory uh, from the Old Testament, to see a glimpse of God's glory. And then Moses and, uh, and Elijah show up for a, a chat with Jesus. We don't get a, any kind of glimpse into what their conversation is about. But Moses shows up as the, the lawgiver. Moses, who had climbed up the mountain, who had experienced just a glimpse of God's glory. He had seen where God had been, or he sees the God's backside and God's passing. And that experience changes him, changes his own appearance. That he's got a, he comes back down the mountain and everybody's kind of like, whoa, we can't take this, Moses. You're going to have to put something over your face so we can even be around you. We see Elijah the prophet who had also had this mountaintop experience with God. And Elijah meets God in the stillness. Different mountaintop experiences. And now Jesus has this other mountaintop experience. And to cap it all off, God speaks, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is one of the few places where we could accurately say, holy smokes, right? Sometimes people say that. I say that sometimes at least. This it pertains to. You talk about a mountaintop experience. Jesus ends up 
warning them not to share this vision until later. And you can't really blame him for, for warning them. I mean, who's going to believe the disciples, Peter, James, and John, that this has really happened? No one would believe them. And in the middle of this story, you can't blame Peter for wanting to memorialize this moment. He wants to build these, these huts, these shelters for Moses and Elijah and Jesus to stay in. So we can just stay in this moment. I don't know if you've ever had one of these mountaintop spiritual high type experiences and you just want to stay in that moment. For me, a number of those uh, moments have come uh, with National Youth Conference. Um, and probably for me, one of the best experiences there was not even as a participant, but as, or not as a, a youth, but as an advisor. A couple of those opportunities that, that we had to go along and to just have this sense of God's movement, of God's call on the church to radical discipleship, and it was just an incredible experience, and you don't want to leave that moment. You wish it could last forever. And I think that's what Peter's kind of sensing and, and wanting to hold on to in this moment. We want to freeze those mountaintop experiences. I think that's often why, um, I don't know if you've ever been to a concert or to a kid's um, recital of some kind, and, and today we all want to watch those experiences through our screens, right? There's a concert or there, there's something happening, but we choose to watch it through these little screens so that we can capture that moment and, and savor it forever. I think that's a little bit of um, the motivation behind Peter wanting to build these shelters, to capture that moment in time. The mountaintop experience must have been incredible, unbelievable. Jesus is giving them a vision of hope, a vision of glory. It's a glimpse into the fullness of the kingdom. It's hope that might carry them through what's ahead. It's a, it's a glimpse of the future to carry them through the days ahead. I think Peter must have seen this, uh, this vision, this, this transfiguration, experienced this, this moment and thought, isn't this great? What could possibly go wrong? But the last verse that we read there has them coming down the mountain. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had said, or Matthew had written, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering. I mentioned that this story takes place in Caesarea Philippi. If you can see this map, Caesarea Philippi is up towards the, the top of the picture. There's a mountain outside of the city there called Mount Hermon. Uh, some scholars believe that this may have been where uh, the transfiguration happens, but it's up to your, near the top. And Jerusalem is way down near the bottom, right above the, the big blue uh, Dead Sea. And so, you know, we have the phrase, uh, things go south, or it goes downhill. Both of those are very true in this story. It's true uh, physically, but it's true metaphorically, that things take a turn south. Things go downhill from here. See, the disciples are going to go through a time of testing and trial. Remember, Jesus said, if anyone to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. We often tend to just celebrate what the cross means, atonement, salvation, and we will get there for sure. We will get there to that celebration. But the cross also represented shame and torture, defeat, and death. 
from the transfiguration to the crucifixion, Jesus will walk through the valley. Jesus says to his disciples, basically, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and let's go together. Jesus knows that the road leads to death. The end of our scripture this morning, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. He tries to tell them, he tries to warn them, I don't think they really get what's going on. The road will lead to Jesus' death. And the truth about the road of discipleship is that it will lead to our death as well. Paul writes in in Romans 6, He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his uh, book Cost of Discipleship says, Every call of Christ leads into death. This story of transfiguration for the church leads into the season of Lent. And Lent is a a season of of trial, of temptation, of ashes and dust. The mountaintop experience is meant to give hope and a glimpse as we journey through the valley of the shadow of death. There is hope and there is the promise of resurrection, but we must lose our life To live the life really worth living. Resurrection comes after death, not in place of. And so what does it mean for us to die? I think part of what it means is giving up our way of doing life in order to follow Jesus. I mean, the human struggle, the human story from the the very beginning is choosing to do things on our own. Adam and Eve want to decide for themselves what right and wrong are. And we all want to do things our own way. We want to be our own kings. We want to be in charge of our own life. And so part, I think, of what this means is giving that up. Stop trying to be our own kings and and masters and submit to Jesus, Lord, King, and Savior. I also think dying to ourself means faithfulness to follow Jesus regardless of the struggle, regardless of the sacrifice needed, regardless of the pain, the torture, the ostracism, the unpopularity. seems like this is becoming a common refrain in the church in Nigeria. They just had more attacks this week. Um, actually, at the, the birthplace of the EYN was attacked this week. Christians, uh, churches burned again, carrying their cross, going through their struggle But I think in this moment, this this story of transfiguration, that we're called to enjoy those mountaintop experiences because God meets with people on the mountain. He gives us a glimpse, uh, uh, gives us some hope to sustain us through the valleys that we all go through. We're called to be encouraged and, and find hope when we have those moments. I think one day the the hope is that we will finally meet God fully and completely on the mountaintop. And those mountaintop experiences that we have give us hope for the valley. Because Jesus is in the, the valley too, leading the way. 
The road leads to death, but on the other side of that road is resurrection. And so uh, Wednesday is, is Ash Wednesday. We'll enter into this season of Lent. I think it's an opportunity for us to stop and kind of look around and see where we're at on this road with Jesus. Where are we at in relationship with following Him as disciples, as apprentices, as people longing to follow Jesus? Are you on the mountain? Celebrate that. Enjoy that moment. Find hope there. That's, that's wonderful. Because at some point you will come down from the mountain. At some point you will walk through the valley. And that hope is there as a gift to carry us through those times. But maybe you're in the valley now. Right? Jesus and and the community of faith are there to bear those burdens with you, to help you through those times of walking through the valley. Or maybe you're like Peter, trying to cling to a, a mountaintop experience that has come, and that's been wonderful, that's been good, but now you're having to come down the mountaintop. You're just clinging to what's happened in the past. You're stuck when God has moved down the road. Maybe this road, this journey is new to you. You think, where do I even start on the road with Jesus? Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be meeting with some folks who are talking about what does faith in Jesus look like and, and what does that mean here to be part of the body at Spring Creek. And so if you're, you're interested, we'd love to have you come and, and join us over the next month or so. Uh, we'll be talking about faith and, and the essentials of faith and, and what that means here at Spring Creek. So talk to me after the service and we'd love to have you join that class. I hope, though, that as we go through this season of Lent, we'll be faced with the question that Jesus posed to his disciples. Who do you say I am? And this is an opportunity for us to look around, to take stock of who we are in our relationship with Jesus, to confess the things that need to be confessed, to find hope in the things that we can find hope in, and to move through this journey from transfiguration to crucifixion. We'll be going through this journey together, seeing where we're at in relationship with Jesus. That's my hope and my prayer that we'll use this time, use this season to evaluate our own lives and where we're at. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up as we draw our worship towards a close. Would you stand? This is one of my favorite songs, so, you know, when I get to pick the songs and this one fits, I like to sing it. Um, just about surrendering who we are and, and, and all that we have to God, surrendering our um, person, our, our resources, our will to follow Jesus. And I think that's what discipleship is about, is about turning over our life to follow the King, the real King, Jesus the Christ. Would you sing with us this morning? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Take my moments and my days, let them flow. 
the benediction. May you meet the Jesus of the mountaintop, the beloved Son of God. May you meet the Jesus who leads us through the valley, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And may you learn each day what it means to take up your cross and to follow Him. Go in peace.